Welcome to the Jabadoo Education Podcast, Episode 1. A lot of people think about humans as such machines. Oh, you know, there are parts that operate and influence each other in a particular way. You put fuel in, you get output. So instead, the complex dynamic systems approach uh, asks us to look at phenomena like motivation um, as more similar to natural phenomena like the weather. You're listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode one of the Jabadoo Education Podcast. Man, I'm excited. Uh, I wasn't sure if this was going to be episode one when I recorded um, because we're recording a couple episodes before we launch, but uh, it is such a great topic that I know a ton of teachers are talking about um, either with their coworkers or <laughs> with themselves, uh, but the idea of how do we motivate our students to learn is such a big concept, and we cover a little bit of it today with our guest, Dr. Avi Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan is a professor of psychological studies in education at Temple University. His research interests focus on student and teacher motivation and identity development with a particular interest in the role of the environment on these processes. His recent research involves the application of the complex dynamic systems approach to identity and motivation. And we get into that discussion today by comparing our students to tornadoes. <laughs> Some of you are saying that's not a comparison, that's just a definition. Yes, we do that. Uh, and if that sparks your interest at all, then this intro has done its job and you'll have to listen to the rest of this episode. <laughs> uh, you can find more of Dr. Kaplan's publications and accolades and any other links that are referenced in this episode by going to our show notes, which are available at jabadoo.com slash show one. That is J-A-B-B-E-D-U dot com slash show number one. And with that, let's get into our conversation today with Dr. Avi Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan, why don't you start out by um, just telling us who you were as a student coming through school and, and uh, what kind of led you down the path that you took? Oh, wow. Well, okay. I grew up in Israel. Um, okay. Went to the public system um, there. Um, went to diverse elementary school. I went through K through eight, the first grade through eight, um, and then to the one academic high school that was in my uh, city, and did pretty well. wasn't stellar, but did pretty well, and the. Motivation was not um, a, a particular focus. You just did what you had to do. And, but I had, uh, luckily, a group of friends who were conscientious. So we just, we did what we, we had to do. And we had a relative high level of ability, perceived ability, uh, thought that we were doing well. So that kept us on track. And we had our friends in the youth movement, for example, who were tracked into the vocational school. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different story. Sure. And the interesting thing about that is once you are, uh, one is tracked to 
high ability group or to um, an academic track or to a vocational track, there's a label with that, sure. um, which itself gives one an identity as a student, which tells that person, that student, like how they should behave, how yeah. they should think about themselves. Sure. Exactly. Uh, right. And um, so lucky for me, I was tracked into the academic school and that in itself maintained my motivation to try to do well. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Interestingly, there's another thing that happens with motivation that happened to me is there's a lot of social comparison that's happening. So all the time, you know, kids look at uh, their peers and say, oh, somebody's better than me in this, somebody's better than me in that, I'm better than somebody in this. So, and that also contributes to one's identity as a student. Um, so... Um, I actually was looking even at my siblings. So my sister was very good at math. And since she was very good at math, I didn't feel that I was very good at math. So when the time came to choose what to do in college, um, I didn't think that, I mean, I thought maybe engineering, but I said, nah, you know, my sister is the one who's good at math. I'm <laughs> yeah. not that good at math. And engineering is not for me. So you can see how um, all these processes, the meaning making that we make of our experiences local experiences this is not you know i didn't look beyond i just looked at my own experience and by that made some decisions about what directions to pursue how good i was at some things how motivated i am sure. or interested in certain subjects so when the time came to choose an undergraduate uh, major i looked at the major the list of majors and said you know the psychology looks like an interesting thing and somehow I always found myself engaged in some educational endeavor. Um, so um, I was, and when I grew up, and still is the case in Israel, um, Israel the military is mandatory for Jewish right. citizens. Mm -hmm. So I spent four years in the military. Okay. Uh, but in the military, I found myself in, uh, in, in the role of an educator. Okay. Um, and then when I... Um, was released and started my undergraduate degree, I worked um, in informal settings as an educator um, for during my college uh, years. Um, so as I was studying psychology, I found myself interested in education and psychology and mm -hmm. how psychology applies to education. Um, and then when I decided that actually what I want to do is graduate school, I didn't know that I want to be a researcher. I thought I wanted to be an sure. um, a school psychologist. Mm -hmm. But I went to a graduate program. Um, life led me in some uh, circuitous way <laughs> and found myself in a degree, in a graduate degree that focused on motivation. And, gotcha. okay. and, and it, it combined very well with my interests. Suddenly I had... Um, scientific theories to explain things that I've seen sure. and were interested in. And so that ended up being what I started studying and developed uh, great interest in and has been, and have been doing you know, since then. So it's been 25 years now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think you make a great point about uh, just the, everybody's story, you know, pulls, pulls different, uh, places of our of our own story together to kind of give the path that we take and uh just hearing uh you know some of some of the aspects of your life and coming through kind of just gives you a new a new lens to 
view. Oh, it's just really interesting how we how we end up in in some of the spots that we do. So that's really cool. So uh, so now you've been at Temple for a few, a while. Is it has it been a whole career at Temple or? No. So after I finished my um, uh, doctorate degree, um, which which I did at the University of Michigan. Okay. Um, I went back to Israel and I was there. I was a faculty member for 12 years okay. um, at Ben Gurion University of the Negev, um, Department of Education, and then I was uh, chair of the school counseling mm-hmm. uh, program there. And I moved to the States with my family 10 years ago. So okay. I've been in a temple for 10 years now. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, very cool. So uh, getting now into some of your research um, with... Uh, I had to write it down because I, I looked it up and I was like, I have no idea what that is. Uh, it is the, uh, where I put it, the complex dynamic systems approach. Why don't you uh, just give me a quick little <laughs> synopsis of that because it was over my head. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So the complex dynamic systems approach um, tells us to look at phenomena not like machines, for example, um, a car um, or a thermostat or mm-hmm. even, you know, um, an airplane, um, where a lot of people think about humans as such machines. Oh, you know, there are parts that operate and influence each other in a particular way. You put fuel in, you get output. Mm-hmm. And therefore, for example, motivation. Oh, if we just do this, the output of motivation is going to be that. And so certainly instead, teachers know that that's not the case. <laughs> it's not exactly. So instead, the complex dynamic systems approach uh, asks us to look at phenomena like motivation um, as more similar to natural phenomena like the weather okay. or um, the ocean or ecological niches sure. where there are many, many forces and elements operating simultaneously and influencing yeah. each other in a way that is interdependent. Everything is interdependent. Um, so think about um, a tornado, right? It's a phenomenon that it's not like that something um, hits it like yeah, a billiard no, ball no and drives it. Cause, right. There's no identifiable cause, There's no identifiable cause, but rather conditions emerge, mm-hmm. right? And integrate to give rise to the tornado or to the hurricane, right? Sure. And, and so we look at motivation in a similar way. The people who look at it from a complex dynamic systems approach say motivation is not like an output of a machine, but rather it's a, it's a phenomenon that emerges based on the circumstances and the elements that operate in, uh, in an interdependent way. So, and these elements are in, inside the person and outside the person. So there's continuous uh, uh, interaction um, between these elements and it's never stable. It's never um, in, in stasis. It's yeah. always moving. It's always changing. It's always in, in, in transition. Um, and as you said, um, each motivation, each the motivation of each child or each student or each teacher is going to be different, mm. right? And yet, if you think about a tornado or hurricanes, each one of them is unique, right? So right, sure. all these hurricanes, and yet there are some general principles 
that frame how they behave. Okay. And even if when we, you know, the, the um, weather uh, um, researchers look at the emergence of a hurricane and, and, and they can't really predict exactly right. what's going to sure. happen, they have a pretty good sense to forecast what might happen. Exactly. Now, they need yeah. to follow it all the time. Right, because it might now, it might go there, or it might go there, but they know it's not going to go back. True. Or it yeah. might go back, but the likelihood is is less uh, um, uh, high. And they can also uh, monitor the various other conditions that they know that integrate to influence the hurricane's behavior. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the same with motivation. So even though. Um, you know, each child who sits in our classroom, their motivation is unique. There are general patterns and, and, and principles by which, how, by which this uh, motivational phenomenon uh, behaves that allows us to forecast, even if not predict fully. Sure. Now, yeah. that leads to, okay, so how do we influence this motivation and, you know, imagine influence the weather right so there's no like you cannot take a lever and move it and expect it to produce the output in in an absolute way but if we understand the principles how all these things operate we may also figure out a way to behave to to try to influence it in a way that integrates with the other things that we know operate and hope that that would drive it in the direction that we hope it will go right yeah and i'm seeing i'm just in my brain now i'm calculating so many comparisons i think it's such a great analogy to use the weather as in in this sense where you know i'm just thinking in my head okay well if if, (laughs) uh, one way or another you think of a child as a storm (laughs) right but you know they they've all got different different things that are pushing on them in one way or another. So to um, kind of uh, try to address motivation in the classroom by one blanket thing that's going to cover everyone, it's certainly not going to happen. Right. Um, so uh, going, going back to the idea of those, those structures, um, I know in some of your research, uh, you talk about the environment, the classroom environment being such a, a strong uh, influencer in how we motivate our students. So mm-hmm. um, can you talk about the environment's effect uh, on motivation and, and what we can do as teachers? Sure. So in, in either of what we just talked about, mm-hmm. the environment doesn't have an absolute effect on right. the, the students and definitely not the same effect on all students. But based on the principles of what we know happens, we can anticipate that certain features of the environment may um, produce an influence that um, we think is more likely to um, instigate a force or, or, or apply a force sure. on the systems to try mm-hmm. to move it in the desirable uh, mm-hmm. motivational direction. So um, one of the things that we um, think about when we think about these complex systems of motivation, what are the elements in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they have to do with some of the things that I talked about when I talked about myself. So what do the students, uh, what do the, the student think about um, when they imagine who they are as a student, their sense of ability, mm-hmm. um, the belief, can they improve or not? Yeah. Um, what's the social relationships in the classroom? What are their social goals? 
What are the academic goals? What do they think about the teacher and what the teacher wants? Mm. And what do they think about themselves and can they fulfill this goal of the teacher or not? What, is, what do they imagine their parents want? Mm-hmm. What, right? So what is this school all about in, to start with? What is the purpose <laughs> of going to school? Even, yeah. right? So all these things are elements that interplay in um, the uh, student's meaning making and all the emotions that are attached to Absolutely. that. Right? Yeah. So this is the storm that we were talking about. <laughs> so when we think, okay, so if we think about this system and we try to imagine what kind of a storm like, um, uh, phenomenon would be conducive to the student's learning and personal growth and development, mm-hmm. both personally and socially. Um, we can try to design the environment so that the influences that the student experiences guides or tries to guide their meaning making towards, oh, school is a place where I can actually right. grow. Right. School is a place where I am able to learn and improve, even if other people are maybe better than me in, in when I do the comparison right, right now. Uh, what I should focus on is on my own learning and other people's learning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we design um, the environment so that that's the message that right. the student is getting? Yeah, because just in terms of, I mean, motivation itself is needs to be so intrinsic. I mean, you can be motivated by external things like, oh, I might get, you know, a good grade by doing this. But really the the thing that helps the most, obviously, is having that internal, you know, reason why you're doing that. So, um, right. Or so and, yeah, and. Um, it can also be that you can say, oh, you know, the grade is actually something that uh, is legitimately motivating me, but it, I see how that actually relates to more inter- internal reasons. So yes, the grade is important to me because I have a goal of pursuing a career that is helping other people. Sure. Right? So the pursuit of the career that is helping other people um, is the more grade internal. Is a, is a step in that direction. And the grade is a direction, is a right. So, but part of it is exactly the issue of an environment that helps the students reflect and, under, and negotiate and understand and critique, even mm-hmm. what is it that I'm doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, why should I or shouldn't I be here? Right? And the students do this anyway. Sure. So if we just ignore it, Right, and say, you know, that's not the role of teachers. Like, sure. we actually potentially shooting ourselves in the foot. Instead, yeah, the, or the environment should say, let's engage with the students, you know, on, uh, uh, in this conversation. Like, what, you know, what are we doing here? The danger is that sometimes teachers don't know what they're doing <laughs> and, and why they're there. Yeah. Or sometimes, and I know this from, you know, working with other many teachers, they have critique of what's happening and what uh, um, the environment. Uh, uh, the messages the environment sends to students. And that's, yeah. um, some teachers feel uncomfortable exposing their critique to their students. Yeah. So it needs to be done in, a, um, in an informed way, in a, in a considered way, so that teachers feel able to engage in such conversations with students. Yeah. But the idea is, how can we design environments where the tasks that we ask students to engage in mm-hmm. sends the messages this is about your learning. This right. is not just about, you know. It's not just busy work. Exactly. Um, there's the, a reason the, behind it. There's a reason behind it that is, that is uh, um, uh, aiming at your growth. 
Um, and if you can't, if you can't give a student that reason, maybe it's time to reflect on why you're giving that assignment. Exactly. Yeah. Now, again, part of it is not teachers don't always have the freedom to choose sure. their assignments, right? When the, when the district says, this is the uh, uniform science curriculum across the district, you know, the teachers would have their hands tied somewhat. Mm -hmm. um, so then the question again is, what might teachers in such a situation uh, do to engage with the students in a informed, constructive conversation about, okay, here's, this is the situation. Mm -hmm. What can we do? How can we collaborate? And that's what it should be. It should be a yeah. collaboration between the teacher and the students about how can we take this situation, make it the best so that we can focus on your learning and your growth. Yeah. And my, as the teacher, my well-being, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a tough thing uh, as a teacher when you're responsible for 20, 25, 30 students in a room to try to make that connection with each individual student. That's going to take a lot of time. Um, so, so the thing is that if you engage in the conversation, the conversation doesn't need to be one-on-one. -on -one. It is helpful if, it, if there are also opportunities for this. But the conversation is with the group of students and giving legitimacy to different voices in the group of students. Mm -hmm. But engaging in a serious, respectful conversation with the, with the students, understanding that, in fact, you cannot force them to be motivated. You can try to force their behavior, but in terms of the quality of the motivation, and is it actually contributing to the goal of learning and growth and development, that's the question, right? Yeah. So what can be, can happen um, is a group-wide conversation that actually the classroom becomes a place where students come and they know that their voice is heard in a conversation about why we are here mm -hmm. and how does what we're asked to do relate to why we are here. Yeah. Um, so it is about what tasks we give, how do we recognize students and for what, how do we evaluate them, and what is the meaning of the evaluation? Is it about tagging people, labeling them, about how much you know, or is it about actually assessing where we can support you so that you improve on what uh, challenge in, in the challenges that you're facing? Yeah. So how do we um, construct the environment the classroom environment in terms of the social relationships are the groupings and based on what what do the groupings mean to how the students understand themselves the different students understands mm -hmm. understands who they are in that you know, um, classroom environment um, are social relationships between peers something bad that interferes with uh, learning or is it actually something that we incorporate and says no actually social Used to your advantage yeah exactly how do you use time in the classroom is time very strict? Are assignments like very timed so that it's very clear who finishes fast, who's not? Mm -hmm. Or is time used flexibly to allow for meaningful engagement in the learning materials? For uh, um, Do we uh, um, allow enough time for students to develop interests, for example? Or do they just need to finish this task and immediately move to the, to the next? And students' interest becomes an... an, an uh, um, identities, what they bring from home, what they bring from their communities, what they bring yeah. from, their, from their extracurriculars. What, ro what room do these have in what students do in school? Certainly. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, some teachers might back away from that because then it's so hard to 
compare students and put into a grade book here the student earned this because of this but when there's different elements going into a, an assignment it does make it a little more challenging it makes it more challenging but then again what are we grading on so yes it's easy to grade on a standardized worksheet right but what if what we are grading for or evaluating you know, if we look for do students uh, uh, develop the skills and knowledge that we're after, are the manifestation of this skill, but the manifestation can include different contents. So if we say to students, okay, um, I want you to learn um, centroids in a triangle, okay. okay? But I'm gonna let you choose what is the meaning of this triangle and what is the meaning of this centroid or the point of gravity in that tri in that triangle okay right and then the students go and explore triangles right and then they come back with their assignment and each of the, the content of each of, the, of these assignments can be different based on their interests but all of them have triangles and all of them have centroids and all of them have the point of gravity Right. Or if I'm uh, looking to teach students about functions in algebra, right? Okay. Right. And I send them to look for functions in their life. Hmm. Right. Things that in your life that when one thing changes, the other one changes as a function of the other. Come back and tell us about this. There you go. Yeah. Right. Um, so in our work with collaborative work with teachers, that's what we. Um, try to do we try we bring our ideas about how motivation happens emerges mm -hmm. and the teachers bring their content knowledge and pedagogical expertise to try to come up with ways by which we take central concepts from the curriculum and design activities where students go to explore these contents from their own interests and perspectives yeah. and life um, yeah. experiences yeah i think um you know, one thing that's uh, tough, tough for teachers, again, uh, is, you know, we, we became teachers partly because we enjoy just learning. You know, yes. we don't necessarily have to be motivated. We just enjoy the, the act of learning something new. And that's not the case for, for all these or for a, a good number of students out there who have a bunch of different interests. And just because I was told to learn this doesn't necessarily I mean I'm going to be interested in learning it so um you but even for us you know even even for us I mean situations change and sometimes we're more motivated sometimes we're less motivated depending on the situation so motivation is is, is, is a phenomenon that emerges it also changes with the situations and it's not a feature of the individual it's always the individual the person in the situation in the context and part of what we need to um, imagine is okay. So what I, do I do with you know twenty five or thirty little tornadoes that I have in my <laughs> in my classroom? Especially and, and, if you're a kindergartner teacher. Exactly. <laughs> and so and and what um, I need to think about is how do I again engage them in thinking about what am I doing here, yeah. right? And what's the purpose? And what are also the boundaries of what I can and cannot do here? That's also important. But it is about that process. And if we start this early. We would find, I think, uh, and we see this in some of our uh, um, studies, um, we would develop students or students would develop to be more um, reflective and more self-regulating and more, you know, have better critical thinking 
about what school is about, what they want to do in school, uh, be more informed in conversation and in uh, a choice about what kind of uh, educational activities they um, engage in. And also, like we, um, as adults, be more accepting of, you know, this is less motivating to me, or in this I'm interested. Here, I'll have to be more extrinsically motivated. I need, still need to do this, and I accept the fact that here I'm, you know, um, I need to be more extrinsically motivated, and then to know how to regulate my motivation, even if I'm only extrinsically motivated. Yeah. So when I'm interested, yeah. and it's fun, and uh, I, I, I love to learn this, I'm intrinsically motivated. I don't need to regulate it so much. When I, it's when the task that I need, I, I, I know I need to do, but I'm not so excited about. Yeah. Okay, what can, and that's about self-knowledge. And these are, again, these are results of conversations that we need to have with ourselves. That you need to have, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, at least probably for most teachers, if you, if you say, okay, if you can do these things and you have students who self-regulate their behavior, who are engaged in conversations in class, you know, are uh, interested in some of the things that you're talking about, uh, just probably those three things are enough to go, ooh, what are some, what are some things that I can do Tomorrow, well, with uh, we're I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but we're in the midst of uh, dealing with coronavirus right now in our country, so uh, it might not be tomorrow, but in the near future, or right. as as soon as we can be. Um, what maybe would be uh, one or two things that uh, I know we've talked about a lot, but just to wrap up a little bit, what would be one or two things that teachers can do um, their next class uh, to try to start moving in the direction of having uh, students who are uh, intrinsically motivated. But I would, I would challenge us even in the current situation and um, with the prospect as we talked about of um, um, grade schools and, and middle schools and high schools moving online, even in that medium, how can you have meaningful conversations with students about why they're doing what they're doing what are they motivated for? What they feel less motivated for and yet, you know, still have a rationale for why we should do this, right? Um, the medium is important to consider in light of what we understand the nature of motivation to be. And if motivation is like the weather mm -hmm. and these processes occur regardless of the medium, how can we use the medium what, what it affords and what constraints it has in order to engage in such conversations because that's the, me the, that's the mechanisms to enhance students' motivation. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Well, uh, Avi Kaplan, Dr. Avi Kaplan, thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, for your conversation. I'm, my, my head is spinning right now. I've got so many ideas. There's flowing. a lot of un to unpack, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, just to, to wrap us up here, um, we go to uh, what I am calling uh, my exit ticket questions. Um, what would be, uh, do you have a, any book recommendations for teachers who are interested in motivation um, or helping to motivate their students that you would say, go check out this book? No, absolutely. Um, so one, one um, book that I would recommend um, is by uh, John Nichols and Susan Hazard. Um, and it's called Education as Adventure, Lessons from the Second Grade. Okay. Um, and it's a, it's a tremendous book um, that reports on a, um, a year study where the researcher and the teacher collaborated. They both said in the second grade. 
And actually, it demonstrates how such conversations can occur even in second grade. Okay. Yeah, that's a, I'm sure that's a great resource that uh, I'll have to link up in the show notes and uh, check out for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other uh, resources, either online or uh, hard copies, that uh, would be a good direction for teachers to start looking at? Sure. So the, the um, American Psychological Association um, developed, um, I think you can download it online. It's called 20 Principles. Okay. Um, and these are 20 principles from psychology applied to education. And it's written uh, with an eye towards educators. Um, and it's freely downloadable from the um, American Psychological Association uh, website. Um, and I'm happy to send it to you also okay. to, to link to great. it. Um, and it gives um, the results of years of research and what we know as uh, um, principles for uh, um, best practices in, in education from psychological research. Perfect. Yeah. Another um, resource that um, educators may be interested in, the, the American Educational Research Association has a special interest group, Motivation in Education. And their website has also some okay. um, interesting resources that people could uh, yeah, to, dive to into. Yeah. 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 Lovely. All right. Um, and if anybody has any further questions or uh, any, they would just like to reach out to you, um, is your Temple email a good one for them to? Temple email is a perfect one. Yes. Okay. So it's a Kaplan one word at temple.edu. Okay. Perfect. And we'll link that in the show notes too. Uh, Dr. Avi Kaplan, thank you so much. Um, no, we will have for, to uh, uh, get on again and uh, talk about uh, the your the other avenue of your research, which is uh, self identity, and uh, that would that would be another great conversation to have. So wonderful, thank you very Look much. Forward to having that. All right, have a great one. Yeah, take care. All right, well, that was uh, Dr. Avi Kaplan. And uh, wow, what a great conversation. You know, um, I went into this conversation kind of thinking that we would be talking about the physical environment of the classroom. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised that the, at least in the context of this conversation, the environment is literally everything that goes into a student's being. You know, our students come to us with so many different experiences and interests and friendships and family members. And They all play off each other when it comes to finding a way to motivate them. So if we can view our students as each having their own little micro environment in which they live, it is a lot easier to see how one overarching tactic for motivation uh, just won't be as successful as we hope. One of the key takeaways that I got from this conversation is that uh, in order for our students to be motivated, They need to know why they are doing an assignment. And sometimes they'll be able to come up with that conclusion on their own. Um, And sometimes students won't be able to. And if we can't articulate to ourselves why a current task is important uh, in uh, is an important step in their educational journey, uh, how can we possibly help motivate them to do it if we don't know for ourselves? Uh, Another takeaway I got is that We need to just reframe how we think about motivation. Instead of saying, oh, that student isn't motivated, uh, maybe we need to think of it as, you know what, that student's environment isn't allowing them to find and foster motivation. And I think that simple adjustment in our thinking uh, will really help us to connect with more students and build 
strategies for helping them find their own motivation um, in, in our classroom. So I would love to hear how you have applied the information from this episode in your classroom. If you go to the show notes page at jabadoo.com slash show one, down at the bottom there is a comments section. Go ahead and leave a comment about what adjustments you've made and what were the results. And who knows, your story might get featured on a future episode. So go ahead and do that at jabadoo.com slash show one. And until next time, go teach. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information was beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice, and that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content, and it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you, I appreciate you, and I will see you on the next episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast.